Good morning, everybody. Are you all well? <clears throat> I've got my faithful prop man here. Thank you very much, Sully. It's amazing. <clears throat> um, thank you. I got up this morning and um, I ironed my own shirts. Kayleen's a, a shocking ironer. And, and she'll be the first to tell you that she can't iron very well. And uh, she's not here, eh? I'm just looking at her. <laughs> she worked last night, so she's sleeping. And um, I got up this morning, I was ironing my shirt, and I always iron the back bit first, and in there it tells you the size of your shirt, you see. And it says on there, XL Slim Fit, you see. And I was going, I wonder how this is going to work after all the copious amounts of chocolate. I've eaten over the Christmas break whether my shirt's going to fit. So I think it actually fits all right. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, this morning, uh, actually, you know, while I was just sitting down here today, I was just actually thinking about um, a couple of areas of somebody's body or some people's body. And one was there, yeah, I was, I was doing a few things there, but... And um, so I just want to chuck it out there because, you know, if I just kind of get this idea, I just kind of think, you know, I think there might be somebody who's got something wrong in such and such area. If nobody says something about that, then nothing will happen, you know. And so I'm just going to say it. And if there's somebody here with that, then we'll just see what happens. Eh? So it's somebody in their right knee. There's somebody that has a problem in their right knee, this one here. I think that's your right. Okay, there's one person down there. And uh, one person back there, and one person, out, oh, okay, so I must be doing something right today. And also, if you've got problem with your feet, I've had problems with my feet for about the past fortnight, and just as I stand there today as well, if anybody has any problems in their feet, anybody with that? There, there, there. Okay, right. So, it's easy to kind of um, say all those things. Now it's time for the rest of us to actually do something about that, all right? So why don't those of you that have responded to that just stand? And uh, just quickly, and we just want to pray for you all right now. So if that's you and your right knee and you've got problems in your feet, and the rest of us, we're the ministry team, all right? So we get to look around and have a look at those people and say, yep, God's going to do something with them today. So why don't the rest of you just stand and have a little wander around and just lay hands on them and just say, we speak healing to that now in Jesus' name. In every area, we speak healing to that knee in Jesus' name and to those uh, feet in Jesus' name as well, that the power of God would come about that. Because, you know, there is no sickness in Jesus. There is no um, sickness in heaven. And written on our wall here, at, we pray on earth as in heaven, and we speak that now in Jesus' name, that there would be complete healing and fullness for every injury there, every knee, every foot, every ankle. Every area of toes as well. We speak complete healing to that now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, any results from that? Anybody say anything? <clears throat> Be blessed. Come and grab your seat. Pain's gone and right knee over there. Great. (laughs) 
my drink bottle's leaking. Okay. It's what? Ezekiel? No. My drink bottle. Was, my leg was... It's on my foot. Okay. Amen. Good over there? Good over there as well. Anybody down in here? Good here? Any lots of change? Down the back? So good, you know. It's good to have those testimonies like that, you know, that, um, yeah, you know, I'm a firm believer of that thing. You know, when I was a kid, somebody said to me, you'll never be able to. And then they said these things, you'll never be able to do this or do this or do this. Now, I do lots of those things now because I reckon I can do what? Through who strengthens me, you see? So I can do all those things, through, but that's, that's a freebie, okay? Okay. So uh, today I want to speak to you from the Bible. Surprise, surprise. And because uh, I love God's Word, you know, it's amazing. It's a phenomenal story of the history of God and His people and us. Now, we can learn so many things about it. We can look in that and say, oh, I'm going to take that a little bit and apply it to my life. And there's a whole bunch of things in there that we shouldn't apply to our lives because they applied to somebody else's. And that would be a tragic mistake if we took something that applied to somebody else and applied it to us and we go, well, it worked for Joshua. Why doesn't it work for me? Because he's Joshua, that's why, you know. But the things that apply to me, apply to me. So today I want to speak, and we might as well just start right at the beginning from Genesis, and then I just go, <laughs> all right? Because it's a great book to start, you know? So bang, all right? So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. He made us in his image. And then he blessed us. And he said to us, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. And then he breathed into us. And the Lord God formed man from dust of the ground and breathed into us the breath of life. And man became a living being. Now, I'm going to ask a lot of questions today. Some of those questions might be answered. Hopefully, none of them will be answered. But what it does is I ask myself lots of questions all the time. And I meditate on those questions. That, mm, I wonder what that's going to look like. So let me ask the first question now. Got a few little props here. This piece of cardboard is compliments of Liberty Plumbing, who fixed my hot water cylinder over the summer break. And this is the first question here. That's going to stand just like, just like that. Hang on. Just move that plug there, but... I just, that's better. I just saw that. You could be there a wee while. Hang on, let me put that around here. Okay, maybe about the, yeah, you sort that out, Sully. Okay, thank you. Okay, so that's the first one there. Who is Jesus? And then I've got another question here. Well, then there's this one here. That one. And, and there's another one over here. And this question here is, 
This one's going to stand up better. I know it is. Come on now. Look at that. Okay. So all through my talk today, I want you to consider these two questions. I reckon it's actually only one question, but it's just double-bangered, you know. Who is he and what has he done for us? Because I reckon that is a question we should ask ourselves our entire lives. We should ask that to ourselves. Because inside of that, we will meditate on that and go, who is he? What has he done? Who is he? What has he done? Because most of us will say, oh, he's the saviour of the world, which is right. And then we come over here and go, what's he done? Well, he saved me. Okay, good. That's a answer. All right. Who else is he? He's this. What has he done? He's also done that. So he's all these things. And you know, in Revelation, it talks about that every time the angels and things like that saw him, they went, wow, I never saw that about him before. You know, those things are continually altering. He's like a, you know, like a jewel that's continually being twisted, that light is being reflected on all the time, and something changes every single time. Who is he and what has he done for us? Two trees. Here's a thought. The tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, either we were, because we're made in his image, did we already have the knowledge of good and evil? Or were we never made to have knowledge of good and evil? Or is good and evil, does the knowledge of good and evil belong to God? Or is it something else? There are all those little kind of things, and there's probably a bunch of other questions that go around, particularly around the trees. So God, uh, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband and he ate. So the tree of knowledge of good and evil had three things going for it. It was good for food. It was pleasing to the eye. And it was desirable for gaining wisdom. You know, all we know here is that she ate, you know, or that we ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We don't quite know whether we ate from the tree of life. If we ate from the tree of life, would we live forever? Another question. But we were deceived. Uh, We ate and then we were told, you won't die, you'll be like God. So here's a great statement, I reckon, is that we were already like God because he made us in his image. Do we actually believe what God has made us to believe? Do you believe what God says about you? So tick-tock, time goes by. Cain and Abel, the first murder. Was God absent? Tick-tock again, Noah and the flood. The Lord makes a deal, strikes up a deal with Noah and said, never again, a covenant we call it, never again will I destroy all of mankind by a flood. Tick-tock, the Tower of Babel. Here a bunch of people says, we're going to make our name for ourselves. And then I believe we come to a great passage in Genesis chapter 12 about the calling and the coming of Abraham. God told Abraham three things. He said to him, go from your country, from your father's house, uh, from your people, and from your father's house. And so he told him to do three things, and God said, and this is what I will do for you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, 
So a couple of chapters earlier, the people were wanting to make their name great by building a tower up to heaven. We need to kind of wait sometimes so God will make us great like he's making Abraham great here. I will make your, I will make your name great. I'm not making my own name great. I'm letting him make my name great. That we will be a blessing, that he says you will be a blessing. And you will bless those who curse you and curse those who curse you. And all the people say all. That's us too. All the people of the world, of the earth, will be blessed because of Abraham. And the Lord reminds Abraham of the covenants he has with him. On, to your descendants I have given this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. And then he talks about a whole bunch of ites. Right, right, the Kenites and the Kadamites and the Havaphites and a whole bunch of other people in there. And as for me and my household, my covenant is with you and you will be a father to many nations. Tick-tock, Sodom and Gomorrah, Lot and his daughters, and Lot's wife becomes something that we sprinkle on our meat. Abraham has two sons. Both of those sons will be great nations. Isaac in Genesis 22, take your son, your only son, who you love. Hmm. I'll just skip on a couple of thousand years. What does that remind us of? This is my son, my only son, who you love. There's donkeys and wood and an offering. Abraham is tested. We will worship and come back to you. Did Abraham actually believe in the resurrection? Right back then, he said to his servants, you guys stay here, me and the kid and the donkey in the wood, we're going up the hill. But he says to them, you wait here, we're coming back. But all the way up there, he's going, we aren't coming back. Right. Because God had sent his, him to sacrifice his son, he obeyed and God stopped him. And there was an offering that was um, caught in the shrubs. Isaac marries Rebekah. They have twins, Jacob and Esau. Esau was a hunter, like Troy. Jacob stayed home, like me. <coughs> Except this isn't me. The next one, Jacob marries two sisters. I didn't marry two sisters. I married one person. Uh, Leah couldn't see too well, and Rachel was a hottie. He worked for seven years to get Rachel, but his father-in-law pulled a swifty, and he woke up on his wedding morning to find he was with Leah. So a bit of argy-bargy between um, Jacob. He worked for so he said to him, work for another seven years, I'll give you Rachel. So he worked another seven years, and he got her, and he loved her. And then he worked another seven years for him. Jacob did a shifty on his father-in-law with his sheep and took the good ones and gave the rest to him. Jacob does a runner. His father-in-law chases him down. Jacob tries his wrestling techniques with God and loses. Jacob and his wife and his two wives have kids. One of them is Joseph. That's when Andrew Lloyd Webber was born. <laughs> Jacob was a dreamer. There was a plot to kill him. He got sold. Human trafficking took place. He ended up in Egypt. A whole lot of rumors about Joseph and one of the wives of the ruler. Joseph was one handsome dude. Coats and cloaks and prison. The Lord showed him kindness and favor. Even when it's all going good or bad, the Lord always shows us kindness and favor. Joseph dreams again. Cupbearers and bakers, good news for one, 
bad news for another. Pharaoh has some dreams. Jacob and uh, Joseph interprets. Bang, he's out of jail. Famine hits. Everybody comes to Egypt for food. Jacob and his sons go to Egypt for food. And there's a cool story for that around in Genesis 41. Stealing of silverware in a saddlebag. Joseph finally reveals himself. They all live in Egypt for a long, long time and have tons and tons of kids. They grow to around three or four million. They're there around 400 years. The rulers of Egypt panic because there are so many of them and put them all to work in brick factories. They try to cull the boys. Moses was one of those who was found taking a trip down a river by a princess. She takes him home. He grows to defend the people of Israel. Let my people go. The signs and wonders movement began at the stage. And they cross the Red Sea. And then God speaks to Moses. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Who is Jesus? What has he done for us? Okay, so they are to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Moses and God have a number of conversations. Come up the mountain, he says to him. It always was and always is God's intention to be with his people, to dwell with us. So have a wash, put on some clean clothes for two days, and on the third day I will come down. Then there's a long ram's horn blast, dense cloud, thunder, lightning, trumpet, smokes, trembling. You have got to be joking. There is no way we're going up there. We will die. The Ten Commandments come. Tents, and God inhabits that tent after real clever guys like me and Troy make it into a magnificent thing with all our craftsmen's abilities filled with the Spirit of God, with knowledge and understanding. There are lamps and tables and clouds and trumpets and fire and quail and tassels, a staff, water from a rock, bronze snakes. Sounds like a scene from the Game of Thrones. And then a talking donkey as well, the inspiration for Shrek. Joshua, Rahab, and spies, they all move to Canaan. They go to war against the Havophites and the Marmites. Wherever they go, the presence of where the presence of the Lord is, they have victory. Wherever they go, they have the presence of the Lord and they have victory. The sun stops for a day so they can keep on killing the enemy. Joshua says, fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord the first Christian poster. (laughs) David, the warrior king, a guitarist after God's own heart, a murderer, a songwriter. Solomon, wisdom, the temple builder. God comes and inhabits the temple. The queen of Sheba comes and visits and faints. Solomon has a bunch of wives, 700. A bunch of girlfriends, 300. He married from other nations, which was forbidden. His wives led him astray. 
lots of evil, and so a circle of redemption begins. They did evil in the sight of the Lord. God says, I will punish you. They says, no, we won't do it again. He says, okay, I forgive you. They do it again. Blessings galore, repeat from number one. And so it goes round and round and round for a long, long time. There are endless second chances. The three strikes law hadn't been thought of yet. Enough. One man to fix them all. J.R.R. Tolkien was born. One ring to rule them all, one ring to find them, one ring to bring them all, and in the darkness bind them. So how about this? One man to rule them all, one man to find them, one man to bring them all, and in the light free them. And so we come to the Gospel of John. It looks like here we're right at the start again. Something new is about to happen. Well, it is about to happen. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and darkness did not comprehend it. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of, as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Now I have three chairs here. I'm just going to do a little bit of furniture movement here. In the beginning was the word, and the word was God. And the word was with God. So in the beginning was the word, the word of God, and the word was with God. I quite like those little with things or in, you know, last year, I think it was last year, Trent talked about being in Christ, and, you know, it's one of my favorite, one of those words, adjectives or something, eh? Is that what they are? I don't know. A little short word. And with is another one of those kinds of words. But in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. They sat there face to face. So you have God say, for this example, say on one side, and Jesus, the word of God, on the other side. Now, some of you may say, hmm, where's the Holy Spirit? That's the Holy Spirit over there. Okay? And what the Holy Spirit does, he does lots of things, right? This is what he does. He is this here. And when we go to a museum or to an art gallery, we go there and we look at this fantastic art. And we look at it on the wall and we go, that's amazing. We'll sit there in the chair and we'd look at it and go, doesn't that look amazing and stuff like that. What the Holy Spirit does in this relationship here, in this relationship here, he's the light that illuminates this relationship here. You see? Because the Holy Spirit is always glorifying, is always magnifying and, and, um, you know, and enlarging the relationship that the Father has with the Son. He's the one that's lighting up that relationship. When we go to the museum, we don't turn around and go, look at those amazing lights, do we? We look at the art 
that it's illuminating and go, that is amazing now. It looks so awesome because it is awesome. And that's one of the things, not the only thing, that's one of the things that the Holy Spirit does. In this relationship with Father and Son, the Holy Spirit illuminates that and makes that bright. And we can see clearly that relationship there. If we went to the art gallery and looked at the art, but there was no light on it, it isn't the same effect. You don't have that same effect. So Jesus came and dwelt among us, you know. He dwelt among us. And I was in the premium this morning, and, uh, and Dave prayed this little thing. He kind of pinched a bit of my sermon, actually, and, um, which was um, bits of my question is, who is Jesus? What has he done for us? Is that why did Jesus come? And um, he came to destroy the works of the devil. Yeah. That's a big, massive one. Because anything that's not good, right, holy, pleasing, lovely, beautiful, well, complete, is not of Jesus, you know? And things like sickness and brokenness and tears and weeping and mourning and all of these things, they're just not of Jesus because he's just not into that. He's the what? The giver of life. And he came to reveal the Father. That's where Dave came in, you see. That Jesus comes to reveal the Father. Remember when you see everything he did, he showed us the Father. I only do what I see the Father doing. He came to reveal something that had not been revealed before. This is what it looks like when God is in charge of stuff. When he wandered around, he going, that shouldn't be like that. You know? All of a sudden they get well. They get healed. Their lives change. Very interesting thing is, you know, sometimes I think, oh, you know, when, when I was younger, I've kind of thought, I'm so thankful that who is Jesus? What has he done for us? He's forgiven me of my sins because he went on the cross. Actually, you know, there was forgiveness of sins prior to the cross. All right? Because even when Jesus was wandering around here, laying hands on people and speaking to people and stuff like that, he said to one person, a live person, said, your sins are forgiven. Right? So there was actually forgiveness of sins prior to the cross. It's a very interesting thing. When we ask that question of ourselves, hmm, is there forgiveness? There well, obviously there was forgiveness of sins in the Old Testament as well, in the atonement and all the other things they did in the tent, which I made. Right? Not quite. <clears throat> so, a great little things. These are some of the neat things that I really love. So there's the Bible in uh, like 20 minutes, all right? Now, there's a, probably a thousand other stories in there, so I've missed out Ruth and Deborah and Mary and, um, you know, um, all the prophets and there's a whole bunch of other, because they got into trouble and they got dragged off to some country in southern Iraq and, you know, it was just a mess, all right? And they come back and forward and there's fire and don't touch that and poles dropping and, you know, they get cooked and Shadrach, Meshach and Interbed we go, you know, those jokers and... You know, there's lots of things like that. But here's a great little story. I like the story from one. I'm going to give you two little stories. And this is a story from the Old Testament, which I really like. And it's a story about Samson. So there's lots of fightings and wars. Israel did evil in God's sight and were overthrown by the Philistines for around 40 years. And Samson was dedicated to God in the womb. 
His, his, uh, Samson's mother says to her husband, an angel of the Lord said to me, stay off the ham sandwiches and the booze and we'll have a baby and we'll, and we'll raise him in a certain way. That's what it says in there. Something to that effect. And the husband says, yeah, I don't know about that. Run that by me again. Oh, I kind of want to be there when that happens. And so the angel of the Lord appeared again. says, stay off the sandwiches and the booze and you'll raise a child in this particular way. And the husband says, we're going to die. We have seen God, right? We're going to die. He didn't die. They had a baby. They raised him in a particular way and he grew up. And the Lord blessed him. The Lord blessed Samson. And the spirit of the Lord stirred Samson. He, the spirit of the Lord, you know, when you read about the tabernacle and the tent and the spirit of the Lord it came upon those craftsmen, came upon that tent of meeting and gave them wisdom and knowledge and understanding on how to make that thing. And here's another example of where the spirit of the Lord stirred somebody. Even then they came upon their life and stirred their heart. Samson rips a lion apart then he rips a goat apart. It's kind of all messy, you know. It's just like lots of, ooh, it's like, you know, there's a swarm of bees, there's honey. Then Samson tells a riddle. Nobody kind of gets it right. And, and Samson has another good go at the Philistines, you know. Gives him a good pounding. But Samson had a God secret, and it was a secret that he had. But Samson was also a womanizer. He liked the girls a lot, plenty of them. And uh, he had one in particular that nagged and nagged and nagged and nagged and nagged and nagged him <laughs> to say, how come you're so strong, you bad boy? So Samson says to her, well, you know, and he likes the plonk and he likes the girls, right? Samson does. And so he has his meal. He's a bit hammered. He goes to bed. He says, well, it goes like this. If you tie me up with seven brand new bowstrings, then my strength will be away from him. So she does this thing, ties him up. She rips out, sees the Philistines outside. They come in, and he gives him another spanking, you see. And then she says to him, you told me a pork pie. That's not the truth. Actually, how did you? What's going to take to, you know, where do you get your strength from? Well, new ropes. So they get a whole bunch of new ropes the next time. And that doesn't work either. You get something that gives them another hiding. And then he says, well, weave my hair into the sheets. I think Samson spent a lot of time in the sheets. And um, so she weaves his hair into the sheets and he gets up and you can imagine he's got his seven long braids of hair and she weaves them into the sheets and he can't like get up and nag, 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 nag. Finally, he told her the secret, which he should have kept. I reckon this is where the inspiration for Sheldon Cooper came along. Because Sheldon can never keep a secret. There are good secrets and bad secrets for Samson. Uh, he had a good secret. His secret was 
Your strength lies in the length of your hair. Don't cut it and you'll be good. You know, things will go well with you. You'll have, you'll be able to give those Philistines the hiding they deserve. He also had a bad secret as well, probably quite a few of them, which is his love for women and lots of them. And uh, that is a secret that he should have exposed. So let us, for ourselves, I think there's a great lesson in this one for us. Keep the God's secrets to yourself. They will be your future, your help in time of need. When doubt comes, they will confirm who you are, what you are, a place where the Lord dwells. Because for Samson... His secret was his strength lay in his hair. He told that secret to somebody else who abused that, and his downfall was there. I like the very small part, one little verse right at the very end of the story about Samson was, you know, the end of the story, they grab him, poke his eyes out, throw him in jail, everything else. And then it says, and there's this neat little thing, this is how dumb the Philistines are, but his hair began to grow. See? His hair began to grow again. And when his hair began to grow, his strength returned. He stands between the pillars. They're all dead again. So there's all this thing going on. So Samson has a good secret, which he should have kept, a place where the Lord dwells. That's what they will do for us, keeping a good secret. The things that God has personally quietly spoken to us. We should keep those in our heart. I think maybe the Sermon on the Mount has some things to say about treasures in heaven, treasures in your heart. But tell the bad secrets when they are told one to another, right? Not spreading them all around. Probably most of us have some bad secrets that need to be told. Don't tell them to everybody. Just tell them one to another. Wellness and healing and deliverance begin. There's only one accuser, and it's not Jesus. Good secrets, bad secrets. And another great little story of mine, this one's from the New Testament. There was this buyer for an oyster company. Well, that was what he was posing as. He was actually a searcher for fine stones that could be made into exquisite joinery, uh, joinery, jewellery. <laughs> I've got jewellery here. Now, we're all probably aware of how diamonds are, are formed. Intense heat, pressure, carbon atoms, oh, blah, blah, you know. I don't know how they, it's all funny, you know, how they make them work. Pearls are formed when an invader sneaks between two shells of an oyster, and the oyster covers it to protect itself from irritation. And this is a freebie for you. On a side note, pearls are beautiful when they're discovered. Other precious stones need to be cut, honed, and polished to reveal their beauty. Now, so this buyer spent all of his adult life looking, searching, buying, acquiring pearls from an array of dubious places. He was obsessed and reckless in his search for one of the highest value. So he was always on the hunt for the highest value pearl. 
he finally found one, which I think is you today. And then he does three things. He went away, he sold everything, and he bought it. Do you know that you are his highest value? Uh, He came to us, he found us, he destroyed the works of the devil, he reveals the Father to us, he goes away and sends a spirit. Now we are the temple where he lives. We are now the connection place between heaven and earth. He gave up heaven for you. He has invited us into this relationship here and he will settle for nothing less than to be in that relationship there, in the center where the father is facing the son and the spirit is illuminating that relationship. He will settle for nothing less than for us to be in that relationship with him. He is doing amazing things in our lives and in your life. Why don't you stand with me? Father, we want to thank you for the amazing uh, life that you have put us into, for the amazing story that you have placed us in, where we can look back on the, the, the rich family that we come from and the amazing things that you have done with all of these people that we read about in, in the Bible, Father. And we thank you, Father, that we're now in a position where what to now for us What's our bit? Where do we go? Where do I fit in the story? And Father, I thank you that we get to be a part of the story. We get to write the next bunch of chapters in this book. We get to write the next bunch of chapters that we did this and we did that and we saw this and, and we went there. We saw your spirit moving, Father. We did amazing things. We want to give you thanks that we're in that story, that you have invited us into this relationship that you have with yourself, with the Spirit illuminating that, lighting that up. And Father, we thank you that you have settled for nothing less than us to be in the center of that relationship that you have with us, that you have with yourself. And for that, we give you thanks. Amen. <clears throat> Pete, come on and have it. Oh, is it? Hang on. Jen's going to play a song. It'll be great. Why don't you know? Hang on. I'll do this, Pete. <clears throat> you know, um, there's probably a few things, probably three things which I've spoken about today that I reckon will, will change people's lives today. All right. One of them is that question there, who is Jesus and what has he done for us? I think that is a question we should all think about, meditate on all the time. I've done it for years. It's fantastic. It's beautiful. Who is he? What has he done for me? 
and contemplating those things. I don't know how you respond to that, but I know you can respond to this here. You respond to that there. Because what God has done by sitting in front of himself with the Spirit illuminating that and he asks for nothing less, he will settle for nothing less than for us to be right there with him there. All right? He's drawing us into a relationship with himself. It's not me saying, oh, I need Jesus and I'm going to ask Jesus into my life. God is saying, come into my life with my son. We're right here. You know, come into my life. We're waiting for you. We'll settle for nothing less. Nothing less. Nothing less at all. Just come there into that relationship. Maybe it's Samson. And the crazy decisions he made. Maybe you've got a bad secret. Maybe you need to tell somebody about that. Maybe you've got a good secret, a God secret. Celebrate the God secret. Get rid of the bad secret. You know, celebrate the God secret. Get rid of the bad one. Because wellness and wholeness and fullness and healing will come from that. Maybe you're a treasure or you're a pearl and you're stuck inside that shell, you know? Somebody's hunting you out. There's somebody out there that's looking for that, and he's given us everything. He sold the farm, right? He sold the whole lot, and he's given the whole lot for us. So respond how you may, but feel free to come. We want to pray for you. We want to bless you. We want to just see some great release of what God wants to do in your life.